Thank you for listening to Embassy City Church's audio podcast. We pray God speaks to you through this message and His Word today. For more information on our church, please visit us at embassycity.com. So happy to see uh, for the first time again uh, our 9 a.m. service. I love you all very much and Happy New Year. I'm so glad you are here. So New Year, I want you to open up your Bibles to the book of Genesis, chapter number 12. We are going to be in a series all this month entitled Healthy Transitions. How many people feel like you're in transition? There's something about uh, the new year uh, that brings people an awareness of transition, of making goals, of doing some things differently. Uh, But there are healthy and unhealthy transitions. There are good and bad transitions. And uh, through the life of a man named Abram, who uh, eventually had his name changed to Abraham, uh, there are some key moments in his life that I feel like we can glean from to see how God deals with us in the midst of transition. I'm very, very, very excited about this series. So we're only going to look at one verse this morning. And I'm going to be able to talk, because I can talk about anything for a long time. But, but, but I only want to deal with this one verse this morning and see and kind of, uh, uh, what do you want to do? Pull all the meat off the bone. I want to pull all the meat off the bone, then crack the bone open and dig out all the bone marrow and, and, and if you like bone marrow, you can eat that too. I'm going to leave that for you. Genesis chapter number 12, only the first verse, okay? Here's what it says. The Lord had said to Abram, leave your native country, your relatives and your father's family, and go to the land that I will show you. So short, I'm going to read it again. The Lord has said to Abram, leave your native country, your relatives and your father's family, and go to the land that I will show you. All my nerds in the building, taking notes, because why? Nerds rule the world. Here's the title of this message. Write this down. I want to show you something. I want to show you something. I I, I want you to leave everything you've known about, everything you've grown accustomed to. I I want you to leave everything that you have uh, uh, been that's been programmed into you because I want you to come with me because I want to show you something. Who does that? Who walks up to anybody and says, hey, come here. I want to show you something. Anybody ever heard that statement? Oh, yeah. Oh, okay. I want to show you something. Yeah, come over here real quick. I want to show you something. Uh, And so you might leave what you're doing for the moment to go see what they were talking about so you can hurry up and get back to what you were doing 
before they interrupted you to show you whatever it is they wanted to show you. Not God. God says, uh, I want you to leave everything you know forever because I want to show you something. He didn't say he wanted to give him anything. He didn't say, I promise you that I'm going to do something amazing right now. The first thing he says is, I just want to show you something. And, 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 and just for me to show it to you, you have to leave everything. If you even want to see it, the commitment up front is you have to leave everything you've grown accustomed to to follow me. This is a radical statement in Scripture because we are dealing with this man who is 75 years old and has been doing his thing his way all day, all week, all month, all year. For seven and a half decades. If you want to back it up, as a descendant of Shem for hundreds of years, this particular line of people have been doing their own thing their own way for a very long time. Uh, anybody in here got the revelation that habits are hard to break? Anybody but me? Somebody put two hands up. <laughs> um, you, you know the, the, the human body is the most sophisticated piece of hardware and software uh, that you could ever find on planet Earth. Uh, remember, it was humans that made computers, and so <laughs> uh, as smart as they are, uh, it, it took somebody smart to program them to do the things that they do. Most psychology tells us that uh, whatever you do uh, for about 40-plus days becomes a habit ingrained in you, whether you want to or not. If you were to get up every morning for the next month and a half and say, I'm going to run three miles every single morning, uh, at the end of about a month and a half, you could, you could literally smash your alarm clock. Your body would pop, your eyes would pop open around 4.45, your legs would swing out of bed, you would already be putting on your New Balance shoes or your Nikes or your Adidas or whatever comfortable things that are going to keep your feet from being stabbed with rocks and stones and pieces of glass, and you would be down the street running, lip dribbling down the street before your brain even knew, oh, we're awake? Because it's a habit. I listed a healthy habit. I wasn't going to come after your snacks at midnight and the fact that you watch Game of Thrones and I won't come for any of that. I, I, I'm just saying the, the, the body's programmed that after about 45 days or so, it's on autopilot. 
So, 75 years of the same thing over and over and over again, and then you hear a voice that you've never heard before telling you to do something that you've never done before, and the only people that you can, that you can take with you are those in your own house. Also, you can see something that you've never seen. Who would do that? This is what makes Genesis 12:1 one of the most pivotal verses in the entire Bible. Because hinging on this one man's step of faith to move from what he's known all of his life into something that he's never experienced in his life is a moment that we get our faith from. It's a transition that can't really be compared to anything else that's been done in Scripture by anybody but Jesus. So let me say something about transition before I give you these points. You can't transition from anything without there being friction, frustration, and or discomfort. I'll say that again. You cannot transition from anything without experiencing friction, frustration, and or discomfort. Whether it is a good transition or a bad transition, whether it is a healthy transition or an unhealthy transition, if you make any transition at all, there is going to be some friction, some frustration, and some discomfort. Anybody ever taken an international trip? How many people were excited to take the international trip? I'm going to Europe. It's going to be amazing. But to get from here to Europe, you have to go to the airport. And if you go to the airport on an international trip, there's going to be some frustration. People are not nice to you, and there's a delay. There might be some friction. If they test you too much, there will be discomfort for somebody. When you got out of the bed this morning to get dressed, there had to be some discomfort because who wants to get out of the bed? Especially when it's nice and cozy and warm, and then if the heater is not set to where you want it to be, and then you step on the cold floor, you don't have on socks. Your voice does that. Any type of transition, even the best of transitions, have some friction, some frustration, and some discomfort. But when God is calling for the transition, I think it can be looked at in a different way if you understand what he's trying to accomplish in your life. So the three points that I have to this message... And I want you to write this down uh, prior to the first point. God will only show me if I dot, dot, dot. Okay. God will only show me if I 
Point number one, write this down. Leave my country. God will only show me if I leave my country. Now, here's the reason why we're only dealing with one verse, because a lot of times when we read this, we just think about Abraham leaving his country and going into what God had for him as if it was just a simple thing to do. He heard from God. Oh, this is God. I guess I'll go. He didn't know who God was. Hello? We have a revelation of Jesus Christ. He didn't have a revelation of Jesus Christ. He hears a voice from God. He has no concept of God at all. From the fall of Adam and Eve in the garden to where Abram starts his relationship with God, there has been no oral tradition to give anybody an indication of the God of the Garden of Eden and of Adam and Eve. So God's making this introduction to this person, and he says, I want you to leave your country and come with me. And the way we see it in our mind is just, oh, okay, Abraham just left. But what did he leave? See, when he left his country, he was leaving culture. He was leaving his food. How many people like the food of your culture? If you're from Louisiana, you like red beans and rice. You like gumbo. If you're from the South, you like grits with butter. If you're from the West Coast, you like grits with sugar. If you're from the East Coast, you've had a Nathan's hot dog. You've had bratwurst with sauerkraut. You've eaten something from a food cart that is suspect. That is your culture. Do you know what's in this suspected meat? No. But I'm from Boston, so I eat it. If you're from Chicago, you like deep dish. Okay? If you're from Minnesota, you like gefilte. I can't even say the word, gefilte fish or whatever it is. Somebody from up there, holler back after the service, okay? Your culture brings you food. It brings you your language. It brings you your arts and entertainment, your music, your lifestyle. All that comes from your culture. When Abram left the land of the Chaldeans, he left his culture behind. It would be the equivalent of you moving to China, getting off the plane and saying, I can't wait to have some squid. It's still going to be moving, right? Mm, I can't wait. He left his culture, his lifestyle, the things that he was accustomed to, he walked away from it to go see something. He didn't just pack his bags and just whisk off. He, he left some things behind that he loved. To assume he didn't love it is to take creative license with the text. When you've been around something for 75 years, it's just a part of who you are. The reason why I love the narrative 
of Abram, the reason why I love that it was Abram that did this, we weren't, we're not talking about a youth or a young adult. We're not talking about somebody that's 15 or 16 years old that hears the voice of the Lord and goes, use me, God, to shake a generation. We didn't know if Abram was going to live another whole generation. All the statistics say that if you don't reach a young, if you don't reach a person by the time they're 18, 19, or 20 years old, that, that the chances of them giving their life to Jesus Christ uh, uh, drops drastically because the, 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 the effects of the world and the secular system on the mind as if the revelation of Jesus Christ and the power of the Holy Spirit is limited to your age. Oh, he's 21. Can't go get him now. Can't tell a 20-year-old nothing. This is the power of God we're talking about. I love the fact that he goes to a 75-year-old and says, I can teach an old dog new tricks. This man leaves his culture, his lifestyle, everything to follow a word from God because he wanted to see something he had never seen before. Point number two, write this down. God will only show me if I leave my relatives. See, his relatives were his community. It was his family and his friends. It was the relationships that were formed. It was the buddies that he grew up with. It's the, it's the businessmen that he did transactions with. It, it is the identity that helped to form him. The, he has common unity with these people. These are the people that shape and reshape who he is, how he is. I remember when I uh, laid eyes on Juliet. Um, many of you all uh, know uh, the story. Some of you all don't. Uh, I met Juliet in... Uh, no, Take that back. Scratch that. I, I laid eyes on Juliet in February of 1998. I looked at her one time, and the Holy Spirit said, that's your wife. And I said, thank you so much. <laughs> I really appreciate it, which means if I look at her, that's not lust, right? Because that's, that's going to be my wife. And he's like, watch yourself. So <laughs> I laid eyes on her in February of 1998, but I did not say hi to her until April of 1998. For two months, I spied on her. You think it's creepy. I don't. <laughs> I didn't spy on her at her house. But every time I came to church, I observed the type of other young ladies she was hanging around. Because the people you hang around <laughs> says a lot about you. Well, don't judge me based on who I'm hanging around, but that's my friend since seventh grade. <laughs> if there is a certain way you are putting yourself in bad company to be assumed to be or act like the same thing. So I watched her for two months. Uh, and uh, after the two months, I realized she only hung around like older people, which suited me just fine because... Uh, most of the people that I hung around were older because I'm, I'm a nerd for information and I love mentors and I love the wisdom uh, that, that older people give. And so I'm always uh, uh, in, interacting with that. And Juliet was the same way. She's an old soul. 
I, I, I think um, uh, whatever age she is, which I won't tell you because she'll destroy me, and I won't be here for the 11, um, uh, I, I actually think she was born, like, like her soul was born like the mid-1800s, because she's just old, okay? So, um, Abram left everyone that helped to shape his identity. It's not just about leaving a country, because you can leave a country and still keep in touch with your relatives, with your family and friends. Hey, I have to move to New Jersey, but, but, but here's my new email address. Here's my Facebook page. Uh, uh, follow me on social media. I want to make sure we keep in touch. No, God was very specific. I want you to leave the country. Okay, I'll leave the country, but I'll still come back and visit. No, you won't. You will not be coming back to visit this country because not only do I want you to leave the country, I want you to leave your relatives. The people that you have found common unity with, the people that you relate to, the people that have helped to reinforce and shape your identity, I want you to tell them goodbye forever. That sounds mean. Sounds a little rude. But when you are trying to establish a new identity, you can't have old influences and temptations. That was good. Somebody needs to write that down. When you are trying to establish a new identity, you do not need old influences and temptations that are going to disrupt that. God knew that if he was going to go into covenant with Abram, that he had to have a commitment from Abram. He was not going to go back lest he be tempted to stay back. So when we talk about healthy transitions, it's going to be a new year. It's going to be a new you. I have new goals. You will not accomplish new goals doing your old habits. You cannot accomplish new things doing the old things. You can't have new breakthroughs if you still have old thinking habits, old belief systems. And you cannot maintain it if you still have people around you that are antithetical to what God's purposed for you to have. This is not about The relatives, it's about the revelation. It's not about the relatives, it's about the revelation. I'm going to see something that I've never seen before. And to try to describe it to you would, would be very, very difficult. And the only reason why it's going to be difficult is because you didn't hear what I heard. So, so, so. There's nothing wrong with you. I love you, but God is telling me to set some new boundaries. And so I have, to, I have to live now by these new boundaries, and they don't include these people. It doesn't mean they're bad people. I, I can't stand sermons that, that, that diss people. That bothers me. Say goodbye to your haters, and this new you, and those old people, they all clowns. Really? 
The clowns? Those clowns were your friends. There's like four years of pictures of you with them on Facebook. So just remember, you were a clown too. God may do the same thing that, uh, with them that he's doing with you, but it's just not happening at the same time, which means there has to be some distance. If God gives him a revelation, woohoo! Family reunion. If he doesn't, woohoo! He doesn't just leave his country, y'all. He leaves his relatives. Point number three, write this down. God will only show me if I leave my father's house. This is so good. Leave your country. God is systematic. This was the most thorough extraction you could ever get somebody to make from a place that they were in. Leave your country. Check. Leave your relatives. Check. Leave your father's house. What happens in my father's house? My father's house is where I get my affirmation. That's, that's the place where I should be affirmed. That's the place that I'm going to be validated. That, that's the place that my destiny is formed. That, that's the place based on my surname that, that, that I'm going to have legacy with. I get that in my father's house. Tira is Abram's father. He's saying, uh, not only do I want you to leave your country, not only do I want you to leave your relatives, but everything your daddy said about you, forget it. Everything you learned in your father's house, wipe it from your memory banks. Your name and the legacy of your family, forget everything you've heard up until this point. I'm going to be your father now. God says, I'm going to be your father now. And I'm going to speak some things into your heart. I'm going to speak some things into your mind. I'm going to speak some things into the very depths of your soul that are not going to sound like what your dad told you. I'm going to tell you to behave and interact with me in a way that your father never conceived of. I want you to leave your father's house. His voice is not the ultimate voice that affirms you any longer. It's mine. His voice is not the voice that validates you any longer. It's mine. Here's the thing that's interesting about that. My, my, my father uh, is one of uh, my greatest supporters. Um, uh, I can uh, anticipate a call from my dad almost every single Sunday that goes something like this. Son, <laughs> man, you already know you're my favorite preacher. And you already know that last sermon, I told you that was the best sermon you ever preached. But man, somehow you did it again. <laughs> you just Topped yourself again, man. That message was amazing. It's so simple. If anybody doesn't get that message, they're just some fool. Because that's just about as plain as you can get it. Man, I loved it. Woo, you and your mom, y'all are my favorite preachers. I can expect that almost every week from Charles Edward Ross. (laughs) 
His affirmation, his validation has made me the man that I am. My work ethic comes from that guy going to the post office for more than 30 years. Night shift. When he used to put on his belt before he went to work, it would jingle. And we didn't know if we were in trouble or if he was going to work. When he came out with that post office blue, we said, hey, man, all right. Didn't get caught. But if his affirmation and validation was unhealthy, I have another dad. I don't rely on his affirmation and validation. I'm happy to have it. But if I didn't have it, I would still have it. Because when God calls you out of darkness into his marvelous light, he, he says, I'm going to be the final word that you need for your affirmation, your validation, your destiny, and your legacy. And if you have people around you that support you and that cheer you on, that's fantastic. But you get it from me. Not from anybody else. See, here's the reason why we only stuck with one verse. We, we, we love the narrative of Abram in chapter 12. We, we love verses 2 and 3. Get, get to the next part. I'm going to make you a great nation. All the families on the earth are going to be blessed through you. I will bless you and make your name great. And I will bless those that bless you and curse those that curse you. Woo! Not until you leave. I've had so many people jump, shout, holler, and do a lap over a New Year message without any commitment to leave anything they were doing after they did that lap. I've had people jump, shout, and holler for a breakthrough that they're never going to receive because they're never going to leave. See, it's contingent upon a change. It's contingent upon a commitment to do something differently. And it's systematic. He says, I want you to leave the country. I want you to leave your relatives. I want you to leave your father's house. I want you to leave the country. I want you to leave your relatives. I want you to leave your father's house. I want you to leave the country, leave your relatives. I want you to leave your father's house. Genesis 12:1 sounds a lot like uh, what our salvation experience is supposed to be like. I want you to leave your country, I want you to leave your relatives, I want you to leave your father's house. That sounds a lot like when you give your life to Jesus Christ. I want you to leave your country, I want you to leave your relatives, I want you to leave your father's house. I want you to leave the country of sin. You know, you were born into a city-state called sin. You were shaped in 
that city-state. Everything you related to, you related to by your sinful nature. Which ultimately meant, I know this is going to be harsh, that your father was the father of lies. That's who the affirmation, validation, destiny, and legacy came from. You were born into damnation. You were, going to, you were destined to receive damnation. And the legacy that you could leave was only damnation. That's the life of an unbeliever that never gives their life to Jesus Christ. That's the only trajectory that they have. When you give your life to Jesus Christ, you are absolutely saying, I'm going to leave. What it means to repent, to change your mind, I'm renouncing the country of my birth, and I pledge allegiance to a different country. I'm leaving the kingdom of darkness, and I'm stepping into the kingdom of heaven. I, I get a new passport. I get naturalized as a citizen. And I get a king, not a dictator. I'm leaving the country. Then I'm going to leave to everybody I related to in that country. Next weekend, uh, next Sunday, January 14th, I'll be saved for 22 years. Okay, so I'm really legal. Okay? I gave my life to Jesus Christ January 14th of 1996. A week from now, 22 years ago, on a Sunday. So we're back to a Sunday that I gave my life to Christ in my parents' church. Um, my, my brother uh, uh, and uh, my friend Stephen were uh, not at church that Sunday. We usually go together, but I drove my parents to church uh, unsaved for years, okay? I went to the club Saturday night, uh, got home about 5, took a nap to about 7, and then drove my parents to church. That was just, that's, just, that's what I did. I was a good son, Okay. So, yes, amen, amen. So I am. So, um, uh, so I had gone to the club, okay, get up. And then uh, I'm, I'm sitting in the back of the church, sitting in the back of the church, minding my own business, okay. And um, I, I just used to write raps in church and uh, wait for church to be over. So I go to Venice Beach. My friends would come pick me up. We go to Venice Beach, hang out uh, to about, you know, maybe 8, 9, 10, and then we would cruise Crenshaw Boulevard until about 2 o'clock in the morning. That was a normal Sunday for me. So it included church. <laughs> I checked that box because that's religion. That's what religion does. It checks the box. doesn't have any commitment. It's just, but I attend it. You know, you can attend a lot of stuff and not be committed to it. You can be married and not committed. Bars. I just had to throw that in there. So, um, so, <laughs> ooh-wee. Okay, so um, I'm sitting in the back of the church, minding my own business, and uh, the Holy Spirit said, hey, you're a sinner. Just as casual, I'm talking to you right now. Hey, you, got, you have on red. It, it wasn't a statement, a, sta- a condom, you have on red. It wasn't that. He just, matter of factly, you, you have on red. And, and I was aware for the first time in my life that I, I did not have a relationship with God, that I was disconnected from God, and I started crying profusely. <laughs> Here's the only problem. Um, morning worship had just started. It's the beginning of service. So I had to wait till the end of service to wait for the altar call, and I'm a PK kid. I know the formula, right? So, so it's going to be songs and then testimony service and then age selection and then 
maybe offering and then B selection and then the word and then uh, and then and then and so and so I couldn't wait. So during testimony service, I, I popped up. I popped up. My father was uh, running the service, and and there was about five long-winded people in front of me. <laughs> they 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 elaborated on the testimony, okay, and I was just standing in the back. And my dad said, I think Tim has something to say, which was a shock because it was like, what? Because <laughs> I didn't play church. They'll tell you, I didn't play church. I wasn't like in the choir and then out doing stuff. I was out doing stuff, and I sat in the back of the church. I wasn't saved, okay? And my parents never forced that on me, which I loved, okay? Which is why it was so easy for me to get saved. So my dad goes, I think Tim has something to say. <laughs> and I said, I give up. And everybody was like, give up what? <laughs> like, go on. And I said, I got to get saved right now. So my mama, who had been praying for me since I was still in her womb, let out the loudest Tyler Perry hallelujah. <laughs> hallelujah, Jesus! She started crying. My daddy started crying. My Sunday school teacher, Beverly Walker, started crying. The credits for the movie went off, and somebody, Suge Avery, came in the back, and it was, it was crazy. So, so I, I start walking down the aisle. I am weeping. I give my life to Jesus. The service is over, and then my relatives show up. My brother, Miles, and Stephen came to pick me up to go to Venice. It has not been 60 minutes since I switched my citizenship. And it's time to go to Venice Beach. And, I, and, and they walked through the door. I was like, hey, man, how you doing? Oh, okay. Oh. And, 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 and Miles looked at me, my younger brother Miles, who's gone on to be with the Lord. He looked at me and he said, oh, man, you did. Nah, man, you didn't do that. And so Stephen has no clue what he said. He's like, what are you talking about? He was like, fool, you did it, didn't you? <laughs> and, 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 and Stephen's sitting there like, did what? And he said, man, he got saved. <laughs> I never said anything to him. He looked at me and said, you got saved, didn't you? I said, yeah. Both of them, man, I respect that. I respect that. All right, we'll see you later. They jumped in the car and went to Venice Beach. I drove home with my parents. I left my country. I left my relatives. I, I left my father's house. I'm talking about sinful nature. The, 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 the sinful nature that raised me and shaped me, I left it alone. So he could show me something. And let me tell you something. If I would have known that this was part of what he was going to show me, I probably went to, went to Venice Beach. Because it was scary to think that you wanted to take somebody like me. Sexually molested as a child, porn addicted, 
liar, people pleaser, and that you wanted to do something with him? That you would take anybody with baked in habits and say, I want you to come with me. I want to show you something. But I got too many habits and hang-ups. I have an attitude. I have problems. I have, I have, I can't even, I don't, I don't even have peace within myself. That, that's fine. Would you just come with me for a minute? I want to show you something. Just leave, leave it. I want to show you something. But what if I can't leave? Shh, shh. I just want to show you something. Just, just come with me. And, 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 and I'll, 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 I make the covenant. I'm big enough to make you the promise before you're big enough to reciprocate it. We'll get to that later in in the month. I'm big enough to go into a covenant with you now because I've already seen the end from the beginning. You're going to be all right. Don't be too hard on yourself because who you'll be by the time you get there is not who you are when I met you. So come with me. I want to show you something. God wants to show you something. I truly believe, I firmly believe, this year he wants to show you something you've never seen. If you've never had a relationship with Jesus Christ, today would be the perfect day to do it. But hear me, if you already have a relationship with Jesus Christ, he's not done showing you. I guarantee you can find a spot in your life, in your heart, in your habits that he's telling you, come with me. Drop that right there. Come with me. I want to show you something. And if you would allow him the privilege of showing you, it will be something that you'll never forget. Would you bow your heads and close your eyes? Thanks for listening to this week's message. If you would like to know more about Embassy City Church, please visit us at embassycity.com and follow us on Instagram and Twitter at Embassy Irving.